This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. I'm thankful that you all came to church tonight. Praise the Lord. What are, you, are you thankful to the Lord? Isn't God amazing? Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Every day above the ground is a great day. And so praise the Lord. I'm going to get into the word right now. I want to thank Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev for the opportunity that I have of sharing the word of God with you tonight. I believe it's going to bless you. I believe more importantly, it's going to change us. Amen. That's why we come to church to be transformed more into the image and likeness of Jesus. How many of you want to walk out more like him than when you came in? I need a a big amen, right? I want to be more like Jesus when I walk out. So while you're seated, let me pray. Father, we come before you this evening in the precious name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God, that we don't have to work the word. The word works us. It changes us. It's like seed. You promised that as a seed, as a sower sows the seed into the fertile soil of our hearts, that it will produce fruit or harvest 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Thank you tonight, Lord God, that we are transformed more into the image of Jesus, that our lives are changed, and that our world is changed around us through the reading and application of your word. I give you all the praise, the honor, and glory for everything that will be accomplished. I rely upon your anointing, upon supernatural recall, to teach your word lovingly in Jesus' name. And all those who agreed said, Amen. Did you know that 53% of the people out there will never step foot in the local church? 53% of the lost people out there will never step foot in the local church. What is it about never that we battle to get our heads around? So what are we going to do about that 53% You see, we live in a post-Christian era, folks. What do I mean by that? I mean that when people out there who don't know God get into difficulties, they don't think to themselves, let me find the first church I can get to, go in the doors and have God solve my problem. They don't think that way. Yet we have been duped into believing that the gospel is about bringing people to church and not going to them. We've been duped into thinking that all it takes is inviting people to church. That is our responsibility as far as evangelism is concerned. And that's what we're going to be looking at tonight. So today, I'm going to be stretching each and every one of you. I didn't want to sell it too much because I know people generally don't come to church when it has to do with evangelism. When something costs us something, we kind of shy away, you know, and we try and steer away from it. But praise God for each and every one of you that are here tonight. We're going to have a lot of laughter, but I pray that also the Lord is going to challenge each and every one of us. We've dumbed down the gospel from where Paul, speaking to Timothy, said this. He said this in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15. And by the way, you can follow in your notes. I've included very comprehensive notes on our app for each and every one of you. So in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, this is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready. Notice the Bible says your preparation and willingness to share your faith with someone really also has a lot to do with the way you revere Christ, the way you've set apart Christ in your heart. If you truly love him, you'll tell people about him. I mean, nobody had to hold a gun to my head when I met my wife on the beach for the first time and fell in love. I was 13, she was 12. I saw in a bikini, and all of a sudden, the first thing I did was tell my Italian friend standing next to me, I said to him, Warren, I'm in love with that girl and I'm going to marry her. I didn't need to go on a course of about her nature or her character. I just knew I needed that. 
and I needed to tell someone exactly what I needed. If you're truly in love with someone and you have an intense relationship with someone, isn't it just par for the course that when you're around people, you're going to share your faith? Now, granted, the devil isn't as concerned about that relationship that I had with her as what he is about my relationship with the Lord, and he'll fling a whole bunch more fears my way when it comes to soul winning. But Paul says over here, he says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. What we've done is we've dumbed down the gospel and say, listen, you don't have to prepare yourselves to give an answer. You don't even have to be prepared to share the gospel with anybody. All you have to do is bring people to church. The problem is 53% of them will not put their foot in this church even if you invite them. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Let me ask you this question. Has God called you to your local church or has he called you to your community? Where in the Bible does it say that the sum total of your service to the Lord Jesus is in the local church? He doesn't. He says, go into all the world, the cosmos, and preach the gospel. It's his instruction to go out there. We've got to get beyond the walls of the church. And I've fallen victim to this just as much as the next guy. I get caught up in things in ministry. I have to make time to make friends with ungodly people. And that's what the focus is of my message today. And let me just say this, since we call to our communities, Pastor Greg and Tracy are leading the charge on a serve day that is coming up on the 19th of October. It's an opportunity where you can download the app, get onto your phone, and choose an area of service where you can get involved in your community. They're right where people are lost, right there where you can make a difference. We can't make a difference right in here. We're all shining our lights brightly. A million lights in a stadium full of light makes no impact. But one candle in the Kango Caves, hey, now we're talking. One candle in the Kango Caves will see people coming from you. Whether they like you or not, they will look for you. Why? Because your light is shining bright. You get what I'm saying? And that's what the Lord, that's what the Lord has called us to. So we've got the serve day coming up on 19th of October. Download the app, get involved, paint a merry-go-round, mow a lawn, pluck a flower, do whatever you want to do. There's different areas of service, but let's, let's get our red shirt, serve shirts on and let's get out there into our communities and shine a light for Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. Listen to this. Now, this was Paul's evangelism strategy, and that's what I'm going to be focusing on tonight. I've extracted seven... I've extracted seven intentional things that we need to do as a result of this verse that we're going to be reading. I might not get through all seven. We'll see how many we get through. But I've extracted seven things that we must be intentional about if we are going to go out there and reach the 53%. If this was a business meeting tonight and I had to share something with you to this effect and I said to you, listen, do you know that 53% of the people outside those doors aren't using your product? You would wish I could finish talking so you could get out there, market flyers, brochures, do everything you possibly can to get people to buy your product. Isn't that true? If only the church was as interested in souls as what the business community is about money. A business meeting, when they find that 53% don't have their product, that's a challenge for them. 
The church is, oh, you know what? When they come into my store and buy my product, listen, man, take a look at takealot.com, Woolworths. Everybody's, everybody's going online. They know people aren't going to walk into their stores. So what are they doing? They're going out to where the people are at. You find Woolworths at a petrol station, mug and beans. What's this on the move, on the go, whatever they call it? We as the church, we're saying, no, no, no. We want to be a big Woolworths franchise. They must all come here. folks. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 9. Paul says this. He says, even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Listen to this. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, Loose, living, immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. So there are seven things that Paul tells us over here that we need to be intentional about if we are ever to hope to reach that 53%. And let's not forget why we were, why we were saved. Yes, we were saved so we can live in relationship with God. But just like Jesus, his cause became ours. He came to seek and save that which was lost. And he gave birth to children who hopefully also in their world would begin to seek and save that which was lost. How is your your radar? How are your scopes as far as living your life every day conscious of the 53% that will never come to church with you? How will the church reach them? How will the church reach them? So here we go. The first thing we need to be intentional about, and that is this, extremely important. We have to be intentional about adding value to lost people. This was Paul's strategy. Look what he says. He says, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all. This was Paul's strategy. You see, before ever witnessing to people by sharing your faith, you have to first be determined that you will add value to that person. You know, in the secular world, in the secular world, respect comes before relationship. Not in the church. In the church, we all love one another, so we're in relationship. You can meet somebody in the mall for the first time. If you know they're a Christian, bam, there we go, kononia. We have fellowship. But it's not like that in the world. You have to first get respect before you get relationship. So what we do is we take the mindset that we adopt in church, that everybody wants to accept us, that everybody agrees with us, and we go and apply that in the world context. And they're saying, listen, you want me to follow you. I don't even respect you. I don't know. Who are you? So Paul says this. Paul says this. He says, he says I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all. So in the church, Paul is a lead a lead servant, but in the world, he's also a servant. And he looks at the people that are lost, that are dying, that are on their way to hell, and he thinks to himself, how can I possibly serve you so that you can see Jesus in me? How do I go about, how do I go about doing that? You see, you'll never win anyone to Christ 
without first winning them to yourself. They will hear their message. They will hear the message from you when they respect you. Once they've respected you, they enter into relationship with you. We have to listen to me, folks. Now, this may not, you may not like this, but you have to, with the ungodly, you have to earn the right to share your faith. That's what Paul says. You have to earn the right to share your faith. And as pastors in this church, we don't just fellowship here. Pastor Greg is part of a guns group. People who are unsaved, do they do? They, if, he, if they don't get saved, he shoots them. No, I mean, if they don't get saved, he points a gun to the head. But we, as pastors of this church, and, and you, you, you live in the world, we have, to, we have to go out and intentionally be part of something in the world in order to be able to do this. But I have it on good authority. I've not joined the cell group yet, but Pastor Greg is intentional. Paul says they are intentional about getting all sorts of people around them and serving them with the word, counseling them, helping their families, offering them, um, offering them advice. But he did that, first of all, by finding common ground. You see, in the secular world, as I said, respect comes before relationship, not so in the church. So the first one is that we have to add value to lost people. I'm going to abbreviate the story. I'm going to share it with you. I know many of you have heard it before. But many years ago, my wife and I were in the island of Mauritius. And um, it was a phase in my life where I was so conscious of everybody that was really lost and going to hell. We noticed this guy walking on the beach the one morning. His name was Christopher. It was on Christmas Eve, 24th of December. And I see, saw that he lost something. Now, I said to Christine, I grabbed her hand and I said, babe, let's pray. I said, Father, please help me find whatever this man has lost so that we can have an opportunity to witness to him. You see what I was doing? I was trying to serve him before I was trying to lead him. Serve before leading. Serve before leading. So we prayed. I got up. I said, can I help you? And I'm going to cut the story very, very short. He says, no, 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 don't worry. Really, I don't, I don't want to bother you. He was a French guy living on the island of Madagascar. He was on contract. I think it was for Mercedes-Benz or something. And he said, no, 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 no. He says, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I said, no, no, I want to help you. What have you lost? He says, oh, yo, yo, yo. He lost an heirloom that had been passed down for generations, centuries, in fact. To his wife. His wife's name was Magali, a pretty French blonde lady sitting on the towel crying. It was a gold chain with a big, with a big emerald heart on the bottom of it. It was hundreds of years old. It was priceless. I said, what happened? He says, I don't know. He says, I was, I was, I was, on, the, I was on the pier skiing and all of a sudden it was gone. And now she's crying. She wants to divorce me. She was as mad as a snake. I promise you, she, had, she was livid. She was crying. I said, let me see what I can do. Where were you? And he told us, we walked up and down the sand. But you could see he felt so spare. He said, please don't worry. I said, no, no, my wife and I, we want to do this. We want to do this. We want to serve. In our hearts, we wanted to serve him before we wanted to share the gospel with him. And so I couldn't find it. I put on snorkels. I went in Trobisha. I went under the pier, all the way down the jetty. And I was looking because I figured if he had dropped it, it would have been between the pylons that hold the jetty up, the pier up. I cut my legs with barnacles. I promise you, my legs were bleeding. I came out and I, I, I couldn't find it. He said, thank you so much. He says, merci beaucoup, merci beaucoup, merci beaucoup. I said, but I wasn't settled in my heart. I went and sat down and I said, Lord, I know I'm going to find this thing. I said, because if I find this thing, I know that something's going to spin. Something's going to change in this guy's life. And so I said to my wife, I said, I'm going back out there. I asked the waiter from the hotel. I said, have you got a broom for me? Because there was all the barnacles and seaweed under the pier. So they brought me a broom. I headed out there again. My legs were bleeding. I'm not joking. I went like this. I moved the seaweed away and this moray eel came out. I mean, it was like Pirates of the Caribbean, except with this toti boy. I was Jack Sparrow with flippers on, under the pier, looking for treasure. 
And I still remember I was going through the pier and I was, I was snorkeling. So I had to take a breath, go down, come up, go down. And then I got right to the edge of the pier. There was a whole bunch of stuff on the bottom of the pier, uh, the bottom of the seabed. And I took this, this broom handle and I stuck it into all the rubbish and the garbage. And I pulled like this. I'm not joking. And there was this gold chain with this emerald heart right on the bottom of it in the seabed. I thought to myself, listen, I've got to make this count. No jokes, folks. This is what I'm thinking under the water. So what I did was intentionally, I took this emerald in my hand, and I'm not joking, the emerald heart was about that big. And I made sure that the chain was dangling down on my arm like this. So what I did was I swam out from under the pier, and I got myself on the seabed, and I launched myself up like this. I came through the water, whoosh, like this with this dangling thing. This Frenchman, Christopher, he just began to burst into tears. He says, oh my God. He says, you're an angel. You're an angel on Christmas Eve. He says, I'll tell you what. He says, he says, please, he says, walk with me, and let's go tell my wife. He says, but first joke like you've not found it. I said, brother, She might look tiny, but I promise you, I'm not. So anyway, we get, we walk along the beach. One of the funniest sights, not a word of a lie. So I get, we walk, then Christopher shaking his head. She's still sobbing bitterly. And then what he does is he grabs this thing and he drops this emerald out. And she screams. I promise you, she lets rip. And he looks at me, he says, he says, this is an angel sent from God. He says to her, this is an angel sent from God. The next minute, this young, pretty, 32-year-old French woman has jumped and straddled me. No jokes. Her legs in a bikini are around my waist. Her arms are around my neck. And I mean, she's kissing me all over. Not for one second did I think, get thee behind me, Satan. You do not have the things of God. I thought, listen, I'm going to make this count. She's a, and <laughs> my wife is standing over there. She's packing up, laughing. They were so moved and so touched. They invited us to dinner that night. We got to share the gospel. Listen to me. We got to share the gospel. God touched them. Folks, listen to me. So much so that they went to Madagascar. Three months later, they flew out here to South Africa to come and attend Christian Family Church because what God had done for them. So when I talk about adding value to lost people, Make it your lifelong goal, just like Paul. He said, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. This takes me on to the next intentional thing that we need to do. We need to be inclusive of everyone. Paul says this, he says, a wide range of people. Look at the people he mentions. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. Folks, listen, for God so loved the If God loved the world, we need to genuinely love the world. Repeat this after me. God loves everyone. Say this, God loves even the people I don't like. How are we doing on that front? You see, if we read through the Gospels, you will notice that Jesus values people. And you are never more like Jesus than when you yourself are valuing people. I'm not just talking about church people, your family. I'm talking about those who do not want to be part of your family. 
as we read through the Gospels, you see our desire to connect with the lost people should be greater than our desire to correct them. And this is a mistake all young Christians full of zeal make. We think that we've been sent out into the world by God to solve the world's problems. No, Jesus Jr., the Lord did that. You are sent out to connect with people, not to correct people. God doesn't change us to accept us. He accepts us to change us. You see, our evangelistic mantra should be one of find the 1% that we can agree on the common ground and give it 100% of your effort. Look for the 1% that you grew on. You know what the church is? We found the 1% that we disagree on and we give that 100% of our effort instead of the 1% we agree on. I had an atheistic friend. He was a Jehovah's Witness who became a very staunch atheist, very staunch atheist. He asked me the question one day, he says, how can you serve a God that sends people to hell? I could never do that. I said, neither could I. I could never send, serve a God that sends, that sends people to hell. What God are you talking about? He says, no, no, no. You serve a God that sends people to hell. I said, oh, no, I don't. I serve a God that will give everything, even the life of his own son, to prevent you from going to hell. In actual fact, if you want to get to hell, you have to step over Jesus to get there. That's the God that I serve. He went from being a Jehovah's Witness to be an atheist, and he came to the church once. I'll, I don't know if I've shared the story, but we had just finished phase three, and we were building the restaurants. And he said to me, he said, hey, Andre, I've got a great name for your pizza, your pizza restaurant. I said, what's that? He says, I think you should call it Jesus Crust. <laughs> he wasn't saved yet. He wasn't saved yet. His name was Mark. He wasn't saved yet. He eventually got born again. Praise the Lord. He got saved right here at CFC. But we were, <laughs> yeah, I'll give him all the praise. But the one day we were driving through our sander and they got a little kingdom hall, a Jehovah's Witness kingdom hall, a little lodge over there, you know. And we were driving past it. He said, he says, before he got saved, he says, he says, your church is impressive. He says, that's my church. <laughs> Great guy, gave his, heart, gave his heart to Jesus. But it has to include everyone. Let's not be intimidated by those who do not believe the same as us. God doesn't change us to accept us. He accepts us to change us. So go out there and accept somebody. Regardless of how they feel and what they think, what their worldview is, what their belief system is, just go out there and accept someone. Please find someone to accept so that they can experience God. Experience God. How many times has someone come up to you and said, all oh, Christians are hypocrites? Again, that's one thing we can agree on. The church is full of hypocrites. It's full of hypocrites. They say, you guys are all hypocrites. I said, I agree with you. There's a lot of people out there that are Christian hypocrites. But I'd rather spend a few years on them with earth than eternity with them in heaven. I mean, yeah, than eternity with them in hell. So the next one is, the third thing that we need to be intentional about is that we have to be intentional about knowing who we are in Christ. You see, it's only truly when you know who you are that you can go out there and befriend the lost. I've noticed that too many Christians don't know who they are in Jesus. And so because they don't know who they are in Christ or how they are to give an account for the hope that they profess, because they don't know that, they don't reach out and touch people's lives. They don't go out there. They don't put themselves out there. You see, folks, we don't have to like them. We don't have to be like them to win them. We just have to like them. 
That's what Paul says. Look at what he says. He says, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ. So we have to be about intentional about knowing who we are in Jesus. Let's not confuse our discomfort with their lifestyles as our discomfort with them. You see, we don't like hanging around them because of the way they live, but separate the two because you're still dealing with a person that Jesus died and loved. So don't get confused between, between being, being uncomfortable about the way they live as opposed to who they are. You can still love them. Listen to this. And I know that many of you will agree with this. We only truly find out what sort of Christians we are when we immerse ourselves into another culture. It's only when you throw yourself in amongst lost, amongst lost people that you truly know what you are made of and who Jesus has made you to be. And this is why so many people don't witness because they're scared. <laughs> that culture's gonna get on me. <laughs> you know? If I go in there and spend time with them, what happens if I have a bride they all bring their beers? Oh, God forbid. I'm going to have to go into mourning with sackcloth and ashes. Listen, when my running club has a meeting, I promise you, they are, these guys can drink. These, I promise you now, in actual fact, I invited a few of them this weekend. One's got food poisoning, the other one had to go overseas in the last minute, but I invited them to come to church. But, but I tell you, these guys can drink. I think they can live underwater. But when they invite me to a party, I don't say, Rabba Shakarabande. No, 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 no. Paul says this. He says, I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings, but I entered their world. That's what Paul says. You see, you only truly find out about what sort of Christian you are when you put yourself in their circle. It's easy to love Jesus while in church, folks. It really is. But when you're amongst them, I promise you, that's when your light truly shines and when they start to make a demand on you. That's where you want to be. And I've immersed myself in different cultures over the years. God has taken me on quite a journey. First, when I said, when I was at Airways, I loved witnessing. Then I came into ministry. I didn't get many opportunities. Then myself and Pastor Greg began to ride Harley Davidsons, not simply because we liked Harleys. There's nothing wrong with a Harley. It's a great bike. But we rode Harley Davidsons. Why? With the purpose of getting involved with bikers, that, that rough guys, you know? I mean, I was sitting on the table. I'll never forget some years ago. Um, I was sitting at a table with a whole bunch of guys from a club, and I don't want to mention who their names are, but sitting at that table was the importer of Penthouse magazine into South Africa. I mean, they were sitting there. There was a drug, there were drug guys sitting over there, a whole bunch of guys at the table. And the guy that invited me to come into that environment was at first very, very apprehensive. He thought to myself, he thought, must have thought to himself, dear God, how's this pastor going to act amongst all these people? You know, about 45 minutes later, I had all these guys downloading a Bible app on their phone. Every single one of them in conversation that bring up something and all of a sudden, guess what? You, you immerse yourself in that culture. You'll be amazed at what God will bring to your memory. You stick yourself over there. All of a sudden, you become an oracle full of the Spirit of God. And you think, God, where is this coming from? The supernatural recall. These rough and tough bikers are saying, okay, let's download that app. Let's download the verse. What was that verse you shoot, Pastor? Many of them came to the Lord. So different cultures. Now, now I'm running. So I've, I've immersed myself in a running culture, which is a completely different kettle of fish. You'll be amazed. And I, and I know this is, uh, this is not perhaps the, uh, 
It's not the most discreet thing to say, but you can't believe the nonsense that goes on in running clubs. I promise you, it's, it's sordid. It's, it's horrific. And people, are, when, they, when they introduce me as a pastor in the running club, you can see straight away they're thinking, oh God, I hope he doesn't know what I'm up to. That's the first, that's the first, thing, that they, that's the first thing that they think. But you've got to put yourself out there. You see, every human being has a homing device within them that's crying out to God. And we're the ones, really, folks, that they've been looking for their whole lives. You see, we don't have a hardened sinner problem as much as we've got an uncommitted Christian problem. The lost are not wanting to come to us. We've seen that. They're waiting for us to go to them. You see, most Christians make sinners mad. I make sinners hungry. Most Christians make sinners mad. I make sinners hungry. And I tell you, God will do it in the weirdest way sometimes. I'm flabbergasted. The other night we had our end of the year function for our running club, and the guys were all tanked. I mean, they were all, you know what they're like here. Everybody's laughing and all about a bunch of nonsense. Me and Christine are there, and we're talking. And there's a guy sitting at the table. His name is Jeff. He was supposed to come tonight, but anyway, he didn't make it. His name was Jeff. He was sitting at the table, and they got these platters, you know, where you you dip food and all that kind of stuff and they got sauces and that kind of stuff but you know me sometimes I'm socially awkward or maybe bombastic or gregarious so anyway we're sitting around the table it's a lot of people over there Jeff's sitting over there I take a chicken nugget I dip it into the middle the sauce in the middle I take a bite and I dip it again and he goes "Ah!" that's literally what he does a table full of people he goes he had not hardly known me before this time he goes what are you doing I said what do you mean what am I doing I'm having a nugget He says, you're a double dipper. I didn't know what a double dipper was until that point. I said, what do you mean I'm a double dipper? He says, mate, that's why the sauces are there. So you can take that out and dip it in there. But now I can't touch this platter. I said, what a pity. (laughs) He looked at me like I was from another planet. He got up from the table, went over to the bar where there was another platter. So I said to Christine, I said, (laughs) so I followed him. He's busy socializing with a group of people. Rockies, he watches me coming. And you can see Sprigging to himself, what is this pastor going to do now? So I walk up and I take one of those little small cocktail sausages. I dip it. I take a bite. I look at him and I dip it again. He says, I cannot believe it. I can't believe what you've just done. You know, at the end of the evening, he came to me and said, listen, where's your church? I said, it's on Atlas Road. He says, do me a favor. The next time you preach, please, man, I've got to come. <laughs> I've got to come to church. Strange, weird things, how God can use you. But you never know truly how God can use you until you immerse yourself in another culture. I've only touched on three of the seven points. I've, um, and so... God bless you, it's in your notes. Have you learned something now? I hope you've been stirred up. You know, folks, I just just really want you to go beyond the walls of this building. I really want you to go out there. Life is worth living. Meet people. Don't care about their belief system up until now. Just really invest time and love the way Jesus did. Read throughout the Gospels. He went to everybody. He pursued the adulterer. He pursued the fornicator. He was there forgiving the person with leprosy. And leprosy was a manifestation of some deep seated spiritual issues and junk and sin. He rolled in the dirt with the leper. That was Jesus. God, make us more like Jesus. Make us more like Jesus. Stand to your feet for a moment. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for each and every one of you tonight. 
based upon the scripture that we've taken a look at over here in Paul's evangelism strategy. And for those of you watching via live feed, I want to encourage you to do exactly the same. Raise your hands towards the TV set or towards a computer screen wherever you are. And I want to ask the Lord to do something unique in the hearts and lives of all of us here tonight. Amen. Let's ask God to set up appointments. Let's God ask God to bring people across our paths who we can mix it up a little with, who, who we can invest into, who we can love, who we can pursue. How many of you are ready for that? How many ready for, let's, let's do the go part of the gospel tonight, okay? Not just invite them to church. Let's not make sinners mad. Let's make them hungry. How many of you are determined to go out there and make the world hungry for God? Amen? Being a Christian is fun, man. Hallelujah. Fathers, we come before you this evening in Jesus' name, based upon the scriptures and the promises that you've given us as we take a look at the life of Paul and how he found it critical to add value to lost people, how he found it critical to include everyone and not different differentiate, Lord God, how he found it important to know Christ, who he was in Jesus, that he, put to, that he intentionally had to go into their world in order to make a difference with them and to them, that he was intentional to experience things from their point of view. Father, change us and stir us. Help us to become intentional and creative on how to move people towards God. But here we are tonight, Lord, with our arms outstretched, saying, forgive us if we become so inward focused. Forgive us that the cares of this world, perhaps the deceitfulness of riches and the lust for other things, Lord God, have clouded our judgment and caused us completely shut out the hundreds of people around us that are dying. Lord, stir us up again tonight. You changed Saul overnight. He went to bed one way when he got up the morning. The next morning, he was a completely different man. Father, do that for us tonight, I pray. Lord, tomorrow when we almost wake up with a spiritual lens that is so aware of the needs of hurting and dying people around us. Jesus, you came to seek and save the lost. Here we are. We're saying, Lord, use us to seek and save the lost. Father, let us be ready to give an account for the hope that we have in our hearts, this treasure that we carry around in earthen vessels. Lord, may, it be, may, may we shine our light more than ever before. Father, we will pay the price. We will make the sacrifices. We will be intentional about going out there and finding someone that needs you, Lord, and we will serve them. We will serve them in any way we can, Lord, in order to win them. Lord, here we are. We're saying, use us tonight. I pray for each and every one of these people, Lord God, and I thank you for this prayer that has been answered in the precious, wonderful, mighty name of Jesus. We are an army ready to wake up tomorrow morning and go into the world that you died for with the good news of Jesus. And everybody who agreed said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.